This is week six of our seven-week series looking at the words of Jesus spoken from the cross. Cross words, what Jesus said on the day that he died. And this week we're carrying on from where Ewan left off last week, looking at John's account of the death of Jesus. And we're going to look at uh, the idea of certainty, certainty in an uncertain world. And we're going to think about how what Jesus says here is the completion of the greatest project ever undertaken. And then finally, we're going to look at how what Jesus says here is a dynamic truth, not something, not stilted history. It is finished. Those are the words of Jesus. In this last week, we've gone into the, the latest phase of the government's ongoing response to the COVID pandemic, the rule of six. We're at the sixth month mark now since uh, the lockdown, initial lockdown began. And we can probably barely even remember all the various changes and phases that we've been through. Do you remember when you couldn't find flour in the supermarket? Do you remember the NHS clapping on a Thursday night? We live in an uncertain world. We don't know what's coming next. And and whilst the pandemic has certainly made that uh, more obvious and more extreme, it's only, only making what's obvious what's always been true. This is an uncertain world that we live in. And it's not just the world that's uncertain, it's that we are uncertain. We are people who change often our moods, our emotions, our desires. We change emotionally, we change morally, what we think is right and wrong. We are ever changing. We're more changing than the weather, even the great British weather, which struggle to keep up with the inner restlessness and unpredictability of our own minds, our own hearts, our own souls. We individually are ever-changing. We corporately are ever-changing. And our world is ever-changing. And we don't know what's coming next. And because of that, we look for certainty. We look for fixed points in our lives that we can hang on to and cling on to. As we change it, as the world changes. We do it in, I guess most obviously, in relationships. We look for and cling to the people who who never let us down. Who are unchanging in their love towards us. The people who are there for us day after day, year after year. It's why in our society, marriage is still so popular. Despite the fact that there's no, um, there much less religious and social value for marriage given to, to marriage by our society, compared to previous generations, people still want to be married. Because we want those fixed points, we want that certainty. We are an uncertain people in an uncertain world, and it's to people like us that Jesus speaks from the cross. Let me read from John chapter 19. And and just a couple of verses from 28 to to 30. If you've got a Bible, uh, you can look that up and read this with me. Later, Jesus is on the cross now, knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. 
With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When Jesus speaks those words from the cross, it is finished. He is speaking of something that has been completed. He's not talking about the drink that he's taken a sip of. He's not even just talking about his death. Though in the next verse we we read that he dies. He's talking about something bigger, something greater. The phrase he uses, finished, it it means complete. It means to to complete or to finish a a task. Think of a, a computer game. Uh, One of those ones that tallies up the percentage of the game that you've completed. It's that moment when it ticks over from 99% to 100%. It's done. Or that moment when the oven timer beeps. And the oven turns itself off. And you pull out a perfectly cooked pie. And the pastry is browned but not burnt. And the the smell is, is all coming out. And it's done. But what is it? What is done? What is Jesus talking about when he says, what is the task that he's referring to when he says it's it's finished? Well, here's our second point. Finished. The completion of the greatest project ever undertaken. Imagine for a second that you're walking down the road near your home uh, and you see through the somebody's front window, uh, somebody thrashing about doing this, like this. You think, oh, what is, what's going on? Why are they acting like that? Why are they swinging their arms around, jumping around? You can't see any reason for it. They, they look crazy. There's no reason that you can see that, that why this is happening. But if you walked into the house, you'd fairly quickly hear or see the wasp that was causing such a, a reaction. Well, in the same way as we look at the events of of Jesus' death, we can't initially work out why Jesus is using this phrase, it is finished. Actually, if we read John's account of the the crucifixion, he's almost deliberately turning our eyes away from, from Jesus. Let me just run back through chapter 19. In verse 16, Pilate says that Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified. Verse 17 tells us Jesus carries his cross out of the city to the place of the skull. And verse 18 says, there they crucified him. And then we get the next few verses, a dispute over the sign that Pilate has put over Jesus' head. And a few verses after that, we read about the soldiers rolling the dice to decide who gets Jesus' clothes, who gets the the booty. And after that, we get Jesus interacting with Mary, his mother, and John, the disciple. And then in verse 28, later, knowing that everything had been had now been finished, Jesus takes the drink. And then verse 30, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. There's been so little emphasis on, on Jesus. And there's been really no description of, of, of what's going on here. John's deliberately taken our eyes away from the, the physical pain of the cross. And he's very deliberately not telling us of anything else that's going on. What we need to do is to, to place ourselves in the, uh, in the shoes 
of the original hearers, readers of, of, of John's uh, account here. If we'd sat down and had read to us the whole book of John, perhaps in one sitting, half an hour, 40 minutes, an hour, listening to this account of the life of Jesus, what would we be expecting? What, what are the things that John has planted our minds about the death of Jesus? Earlier we heard Rich read to us the start of John's account of the life of Jesus. And we heard this man, John the Baptist, twice seeing Jesus and declaring him to be the Lamb of God. And as we get to Jesus' death, that should be something that's just lodged in our brain, just going, okay, Jesus is the lamb. Well, what is a, a lamb, biblically? What does the Bible expect us to, to think about when, when somebody's described as a lamb? So we need to put aside any thoughts here that Jesus is Sean, Sean the sheep, cute and cuddly. Think, the Bible says, when you think of a lamb, think of an innocent animal that has been slaughtered as part of a a religious ritual, a sacrifice. A lamb whose blood is spilt by a priest on behalf of people and because of wrongdoing, because of what the Bible calls sin. And as the lamb's life is taken away and its blood is is daubed on on the mercy seat, the Old Testament described that as, The people walk free, forgiven, because the lamb has paid the penalty. The lamb has been a substitute for them. And this plays into the big story of the Bible. And the big question that the Bible presents, how can people be made right with God, the God of the universe, the God who has made this world and made everybody in it, the God who has been rejected by the people that he has made, the God who has been ignored and forgotten, the God who has been <coughs> suffered rebellion from this people, the people who have rebelled and, and rejected him as king and replaced him as Lord and King with themselves and with other people and with other things, with anything and everything. They've said, we do not want God to be in charge. How can that people be made right with that God? It's the great problem for humanity, for each one of us, whether we recognise that's the problem or not. What each of us will recognise is that we live in a world and we live as people where there are fault lines to be seen and experienced and felt in every moment of every day. We live in a world where we say, something's not right. I'm not right. And every one of those cracks that we see in our world and our lives comes back to the broken relationship between God and the people that he has made. And the great problem is this. We are separated from God by our sin. But the great story of the Bible is that God is going to close that gap. He's going to mend that relationship. The story of the Bible is of a God who does not give up on his people. 
but instead launches a great rescue project to, to save them. And at the heart of this great rescue project is, is this moment, is the death of Jesus on a Roman cross in Israel 2,000 years ago. Jesus' mission is to, or the Bible describes, to make atonement. To bring together the two sides who have been separated, God and humanity. And Jesus alone can do that because Jesus alone represents both sides. He is God, God the Son. But he is also taken on humanity. Jesus is humanity as we ought to have been. A man without sin. A man who has never rebelled against God in his 33 years of life up to this point. And Jesus is the one who becomes the the sacrifice. That means that the people can be freed. This is the great project that God has undertaken to restore the relationship between him and his people. The whole Bible is about this story. And it's this work that Jesus came to do on the cross through his death. Just a few, a couple of pages earlier in your Bibles, in John chapter 17, Jesus says this, I have brought you glory, speaking to his father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And it's that same word, finished, done, completed. And so the work of the cross is the work of atonement. And it's the work of a sacrificial lamb. And so when Jesus says it is finished, he's saying the sacrifice is complete. He's saying that the the, the right and just anger that God has against people who have turned their back on him and consequently have treated each other terribly. God's wrath has been taken by the Lamb. The the wrath has been absorbed by Jesus instead of by those who deserve it. Jesus says, it is finished. The job is complete. And just as in the Old Testament, when people went to the temple and the sacrifices were offered, they went away knowing that they were forgiven because the lamb had died. So as Jesus says these words, he's saying the same thing. Forgiveness is won. The lamb is dead. The guilt is taken away. The relationship can be restored. And this is the good news that the church is called to share. The finished work of Jesus Christ. And it is good news for everyone. Because all of humanity is separated from God. We are born that way. But it's especially good news for you. If you're weary. To those who are tired, tired of the failed attempts at self-improvement, whether that's physically, the diets, the gym, or morally, trying to be a better person, 
It's good news for those who are exhausted. That the strain of putting on that mask of goodness and respectability each day. For those that are exhausted and saying, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm managing. But who every day feel the energy reserves to keep up that facade. Running dangerously low. I'm wondering if today will be the day that I can, can't keep it up anymore. This is good news to those who cannot meet the world standards, let alone God's standards of goodness, of kindness, of generosity, of success. It's good news for those whose selfishness, though nobody else might be able to see it, eats away at them like some sort of flesh-eating bacteria of the soul. Jesus has done it. Jesus has done it. It is finished. There is nothing you can do to save yourself. He has done it all. The word for finished here uh, that Jesus uses... Um, in, in, in that time would have been used uh, in an economic way in the business, in the, the marketplace as a stamp to say the price has been paid full payment received and as Jesus speaks out here and says it is finished he's giving that stamp to his work The price has been paid in full. And we know, we know from the Bible's account that that he was right. Because two days later he was vindicated. He was resurrected. The perfect man who had no guilt of his own was raised to new life. This is the great story of the Bible. And Jesus says his work is done. His salvation work, his substitutionary work, standing in our place, it is finished. But as we close up now, let's think thirdly of the finished, the dynamic truth, not stilted history because sometimes when things are finished and done over time they become obsolete they become well something that did happen so think about when you do a jigsaw and you spend you know hours and hours doing one of these jigsaws and then finally you put the last piece in place and there's real pleasure and satisfaction that you've done it and then shortly afterwards you break it up and put it back in the box Is that what goes on here? Something that's true, but makes no difference now. Is this once for all sacrifice of Jesus now just a historical oddity? Is it something like the the Roman invasion of Britain? Something that's true, it happened, and it's, it, it, it kind of impacts, you know, today's life a, a little bit, I guess. We have the old Roman towns. We have the old Roman roads. 
and that shapes some of our current society, but, but it doesn't really make any big difference. Is this finished work of Jesus just stilted history? Something to know, something that's true, but, but doesn't make a big difference. Well, no. Listen to how the, the writers of, of uh, Paul, of, of the letters in the New Testament, in the, the early days of the church, listen to how he talks about the death of Jesus. Here's Romans five eighteen to 19. He says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. He's comparing Adam, the first man in the Bible, and then Jesus, Adam's one act of sin, through everybody, all of us, into death. But this one act... One righteous act results in justification and life for all people. It's making an ongoing difference, Paul says. In the next chapter, he says, The death he died, Jesus, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And then in another letter, he says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And he's picking up there the language, the debt language. He says, Jesus paid it. And God made you alive with Christ, having forgiven all our sins, having cancelled the charge. That one act, in that one moment of history, Today makes us alive. It continues to bring life today. For Jesus paid for every sin, past, present and future in that one act. And we can't do that, can we? We can't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Sometimes we can uh, put down uh, money in an account ahead of time. To try and cover costs. But we don't know what's coming. But God did. And so God laid on Jesus every sin. The punishment for every sin. For people who are not yet born. Including us. And Jesus paid it all. This is the wonderful fixed nature of what Christ has achieved. It cannot and it will not be undone. And so for us today, if we are trusted in Jesus, here are some things that that we need to, to be able to say it is finished too. Some thoughts that might come across our mind this week. The thought that says, oh man, I need to please God today. I need to to be good enough that God will put me in his good books, that God will be um, kind to me, that God will love me. No. No, Jesus said, it is finished. He is the one who has brought us in 
to the kindness of God. Or maybe the thought will come across our minds. Are you really sure that God wants you? That God will accept you? I mean, look at you compared to other people. Are you really sure? And again, we look to the cross and we look to these these words of Jesus. It is finished. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure not because I've paid it, but because Jesus has paid it. And the work is complete. And maybe the thought will come across our mind. I've gone too far this time. God can't forgive this. Yeah, Jesus paid for my sin, but 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 surely not for this. If only he'd, he'd have known how bad I would be. And we need to say to ourselves, to listen to these words of Jesus, it is finished. We need to not trust in ourselves, but to trust in Jesus and his finished work at the cross. One final thought. John tells us that Jesus knew that everything had been completed. Everything had been finished. There in verse 28, later, knowing that everything had now been finished, Jesus knew it was done. But then he said, it is finished. And he says those words, not for himself, but for us. Because we need to know that. And we need to go on hearing them and believing them day after day. Whilst this life endures, we need to hear it is finished. All my sin has been laid on Christ. And he has suffered the just punishment for my sin. Day after day, hear it and believe it. And there will come a day when we will be with Jesus and we will know the certainty. We will be able to speak with him. But even on that day, the work of the cross, the great mission of Jesus will not be any more finished than it was right then, 2,000 years ago, than it is right now. Jesus once and for all, one righteous act, died once on behalf of many. There will be no future sacrifice. If we went back to the Old Testament, we'd find the people having to come to the temple again and again and again and to offer a new and another and another sacrifice. But Jesus once and for all paid the penalty for sin that we might not have to endure it and that we might have the righteous life that he lived and the reward. I implore you, trust in this Jesus. There is no greater certainty in this world And that there is a God who loves us and has stepped into history in this great salvation plan, this great rescue plan. 
And it culminated at the cross. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for these words that Jesus said to us. It is finished. Help us to believe. Father, forgive us for where we have sinned even this week. Forgive us. Lord, let us not live in fear of condemnation. But Lord, let us believe that Christ has paid it all. Lord, let us respond to that with thankfulness, with joy, and with the freedom that comes from knowing we are forgiven. Lord, let us encourage each other in that, day by day. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen.